Prepare ship for light speed. No, no, no. Light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes. We're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take us. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Here, I'll tell you what. I, I, I heard... I heard a saying this week that I cannot wait to use in real life, but I have no idea how I'm ever going to actually use it. So I'm going to I'm going to say a statement and then you just say why. And then I'm going to tell you the punchline. Oh, OK. Light on me. It's, it's weird that it's sunny out here today. Why? Because there's a shit storm coming. <laughs> 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 Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fast Day with Films. <laughs> that is how Let's you start us off. <laughs> I'll make sure my levels here right. I don't want to be blowing it out because our last pod, our last pod was outdoors with all the uh, with all the friggin' Cardinals and everybody else. It sounded good though. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it did. Yeah, definitely did. And that's with the that's a shout out to the the Zoom recorder. I'm not sure what everyone out there does pods uh, uses, but man, the Zoom recorder is still rocking. I don't see how we would ever need to upgrade it. Uh, and I think that's the downside that Zoom does that maybe Apple doesn't. Apple always leaves one thing that they can improve for the next model. <laughs> and these Zoom recorders are like perfect, perfect. Yeah, they're like, we're just going to give you everything you need so you only have to buy it once. And then when you're ready to upgrade, you're going to want to buy another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that that makes reminds me of a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you been over there on the uh, on the lonesome? Yeah, last week for sure. I guess yeah, we man. should give our little update. <laughs> Not much yeah. has changed. More, yeah, more deaths. Still, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, still sitting on the back porch. Yeah. Um, my garden's growing well. Yeah. Uh, I've got yeah, I've got uh, collard greens, tomatoes, peppers, and cucumbers. Nice. But unfortunately, um, I got some stuff eating my uh, collards. But I'm kind of thinking. I'm just going to let those be a sacrifice to the veggie gods and hope that the bugs don't spread to other things. So, you know, we'll find out if my logic is flawed See, or not. That's very midsummer of you, man. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, I finally picked up midsummer, uh -huh. the, uh, the eighth times a charm. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I, I should have definitely heeded your advice and knowing how slow it was. Um, incredible movie, incredible cinematography, like you had mentioned previously. I love how in Hereditary it's so dark, and in Midsommar it's so bright and oh, yeah. colorful, and like, you know, and it's just this total different, you know, I guess feel um, from the director. Oh, um, they, he developed, I, I just love his. I love the pacing of his movies, which is probably what you dislike about it. But I love that slow progress of what we see. And all his movies start with something horrific happening and then it affecting the major characters in the films like deeply. And that's, yeah. that's how this one. Uh, I heard a bunch of people talking online. They were they were doing all these lists that people are doing now. And one of them was name like a, like two or three movies where you cannot watch the whole thing from start to finish, but you can jump, you could easily jump through and watch different specific scenes in it and fully enjoy it. And uh -huh. I, I thought it was interesting that one of them that kept coming up was Midsommar. And the other one that kept coming up is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where people huh. wishes they wish they could just jump to specific scenes and watch them instead of putting in the process of watching the whole thing. 
Right. I feel a little differently. There, <laughs> Midsummer has a like three. I think it's like what was it like two forty something like that. Yeah, it's like two forty. <clears throat> and I think the director's cut's like three thirty or something like that. And I can't wait to get it. As of right now, it's only available in like uh, Great Britain, I think. But see, you know what's interesting to me though, and I mean, I I don't know this, but I wonder if the the parts that you don't see in the movies that mm-hmm. they are no explanations for yeah. things that honestly like i probably would have changed my mind it, it wasn't that i didn't like it it was just too slow for me yeah. you know what i mean um but i have a feeling if those scenes are what i think they might be where they show you more of because i don't want to say anything about Ru- you well know, i Ru- mean everything's off most of the killing in it is done off camera exactly basically. so you you, know I mean? you're and, wondering if it's any of it's uh so you're gonna have to watch it to see. I ain't telling you. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Thanks a lot, Paul. Um, but I, but I, I, I would have to say though that like if those scenes were included, yeah, I would probably like be a little more like, whoa, that was an incredible movie. See, I but like because... the idea of not seeing it. I, I think that's creepy as hell because we're we're simply seeing it from her point of view, you know, and w- right. what she sees, we see, other than a few kind of things here and there, uh, but the discovery of it and man that last 15 20 minutes it's it's almost like one of those movies that you would be completely scared to do on drugs you know uh yeah like yeah, back absolutely. in the day you, you always hear about that person back in the day and we're like oh you're gonna trip and watch uh natural born killers you sure you want to do yeah. that <laughs> you sure you want to do that okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the midsummer thing so it, yeah, it's weird it yeah. affects people differently and it's one of those movies and i think it's similar with hereditary that it sticks with you the certain imagery and things that happen in that movie regardless if you think it was slow or not which will stick with you when you think of certain things from now on you know right like so i can say i can say like one uns- satisfactory thing to me was you know the character um the kid was just kind of an asshole and like from the first couple of lines he spoke i was just like the guy from oh, yeah, uh, the, the guy from where the millers yes yeah, yes yeah. um you know i like because of and i like him he's a he's a good actor I he was great in uh, that uh leo movie what's the bear one revenant he was the kid uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah um he's also in maze runner he's you know he's a lot younger in that yeah. but he's in maze runner he's good in that um but like because of his character being such an asshole yeah. and from the very beginning i'm like oh i can't wait to watch you die and then right and then not getting satisfied to see that you uh, know what i mean i was just like oh that's a letdown he still you know? met but the like, same fate though but you want to see it you yeah, sick bastard yeah. i do i do <laughs> quarantine's got me all fucked up <laughs> See, I've been watching all like random, random com- comedies. Like yesterday, my big movie yesterday was Dumb and Dumberer. Oh yes, <laughs> which I, my uh, wife was shocked that that wasn't Jim Carrey on film. I was like, I know. That I said, isn't how job. he is so great at that too? That guy is awesome at that role. So it's funny. Do you watch anything else this week? I know you. Uh, you checked out uh, e- Easy Money, right? I did for the that very was first really time. Funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really funny. Classic I enjoyed Rodney. that. Anything else? Um, yeah, I, dude, I and I watched it like four times. Um, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, the man, how great is that? I can see why you would watch it several times. It's one of those things you can just have on the background. It's so much fucking fun, dude. No, seriously. I went to sleep to it one night. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's so great. I love it. It's so full of nostalgia and yep. everything. And just like... I knew it, you would like you it that, because you're a canon film guy. And anyone dude, that... Absolutely. Anybody that 
grew up on those films, those Charles Bronson films and the Chuck Norris films and the Van Damme and all that. It's oh, so great. Enter the Ninja. Oh, like, God, seeing you know, those clips, it's just, it's exciting. <laughs> oh, it was great, dude. And and I'll tell you, they uh, like, I, you know, cause it doesn't spoil anything. It's a documentary, you know, at the end they say that the, the Canon film guys, you know, declined to interview and then they went and made their own documentary (laughs) that's so very like him (laughs) yeah that beat their documentary by three months like that was such Uh, like uh, now i really and so it's called the go-go boys and now i really want to find that and watch that because i bet you god just i can't even imagine a documentary from their perspective yeah there's a lot of movies once once i saw <laughs> electric boogaloo that i went and ordered online like immediately i mean that, i think that's when i got revenge of the ninja like right afterwards i was like oh man i get, need to get revenge of the ninja or ninja three the domination and or the yeah. uh i like uh the death wishes i love the subsequent ones even more than the original one a lot of the times like death wish three is like the most fun piece of garbage you'll ever watch it's so great right? <laughs> yeah <It's> so amazing <laughs> all right so let's let's refocus here we got a we got a yeah. good category this week uh, this is off world sci-fi so basically anything off the earth we're going from the earth to another planet man we got to get these other planets in here yeah uh any any decade there was a lot of these i loved rewatching the ones on my list because i haven't seen a bunch of uh one of my only had seen once and i had uh, rewatched it oh so freaking good and uh some of these other ones i just grew up watching and haven't seen in forever how about you what are your decades spanning here um dude mine go from like 80s to i don't know maybe like 20 I mean, 2009, 2010, something like that. Nice. I'm not sure of the, yeah, I'm not sure of the, the, the big blockbuster ones a uh, year, but we'll find out when yeah. we get there. 2017, that's the latest I got. Other than that, 2000, I think is the latest I got. It's not a whole lot. I mean, it's just expensive to do a really good sci-fi movie now, uh, which it really doesn't have to be if you've seen movies like Moon or, I mean, I guess it was a lot of technical stuff in Moon too, but there is ways to doing like sci-fi on the cheap where I think it's just if it's as effective. Oh yeah. If you get the right actors involved in it and you do that type of thing. Uh, I, from what I hear, I think that's what people say about that, uh, lighthouse movie. I haven't watched it yet. The, uh, I saw the preview for that, um, the other day and dude, that looks twisted. Yeah. It looks interesting and it's, it's two guys in one location, but looking at it made me think, you know, they could have easily been on like a space station or something like that. It looks like that type of dynamic where they're just kind of in a situation where they're kind of stuck with each other. And that always appealed to me. So hell, maybe we'll have murder space. In, in our uh, <laughs> murder farm space murder edition. farm space edition <laughs> uh, well that's a that's a good direction to go ahead and start with my first one nice. <laughs> and that's gonna be uh jason x oh jesus <laughs> i was so excited there <laughs> uh, no i'll tell you man my my list has got some really corny ones on it but like it they're they're classic corny. I, you know, no, man, I, I got I got some movies. corn. I got some corn on my list, too, so I'm not gonna <laughs> knock. And I certainly yeah. can't knock it because I actually bought it this week. <laughs> I, yeah, that was hysterical. Yeah. I told you I was gonna pick it. You're like, yep, it just came in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it sucks because I hated it. I did not like it yeah. at all. But when 
when I have every other Friday Thirteenth movie, and then I go back and I watch that. They have like an incredible six-hour documentary for Friday Thirteenth that I watch every couple of years, and every mm-hmm. time I go through it, they go through those final movies, and I forget that some of those movies actually have some cool death scenes. As like in a as a whole, they kind of yeah. blow, but some of the death scenes are good. Like Jason uh, goes to hell is a piece of garbage, but that scene where he killed that couple in the tent, one of the best death scenes in any. Friday Thirteenth movie, so I'll I'll always give it that. Uh, yeah. So you'll have to remind me of some of the stuff that's in uh, Jason in Space. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> Which is what so we I, always affectionately called it. <laughs> I, I'm yeah, exactly. I now I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it actually starts on Earth um, because they have him. They've somehow contained Jason. He's in a lockdown, maximum security type place, um, and it's called the crystal lake research facility now there is no exterior shot there so i don't know if that's in space or if it's on earth um but basically like jason is alive and well um but he's you know completely contained with all these chains and everything like that they've got him in this you know single room all by himself um and there's this guard there and Jason's just in there uh, just looking around. You just see him with his one eye just moving around and it's played by your buddy. What is it? Kane, Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder. Yeah. This was the last yeah. time I think he played Jason uh, because he's he, huge. Yeah. Because after this, they went to that. Uh, damn. I can't remember his name. He's a big white guy. He was in, he was also in the hatchet uh, hatchet too. He was really good. Oh, or that's right. I remember that's saying right. that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he's really good too. So, so, you know, there's this one single lone guard in there, um, and he's, like, walking up to Jason, and he has, like, a blanket, and he throws it over blanket over Jason's head, because he's, he doesn't want him looking at him, you know, which I can, like, I, I just rewatched this, and, like, watching this scene, I'm like, yeah, dude, I would actually totally do the same thing, <laughs> like, you know, um, and so the, like, lead researcher is coming because they're getting ready to cryogenically freeze Jason. And as she's on her way, of course, this group of like, you know, military people come and they tell her like, hey, listen, we're not going to cryogenically freeze him. We're going to leave him the way he is and study him because Jason can regenerate. And like they sentenced him to death and they tried to kill him a number of ways. And Obviously, they never killed him. So they wanted to keep him as a science experiment. So they go to open the room and, you know, transport him. And of course, you know. They find the guard is dead and Jason's missing. And he instantly and this is this is one of the best things throughout this whole movie. You know, in like any of the subsequent movies, you know, they never even like shoot him with a gun, or they might shoot him once or twice with a gun and it, it'll stop him for a second. Dude, these guards have full on machine guns and they unload clip after clip after clip into <laughs> him. And it doesn't stop him at all, like at yeah. all. Like I don't know what the difference is, but now Jason is completely unstoppable. So he kills all of them, and he chases the main research girl into like you know what he doesn't realize is the cryogenic freezing room, and she tricks him and gets him into the cryogenic freezer. But he stabs through it and stabs her in the stomach, and the the like the nitrogen or whatever mm-hmm. you know that freezes him escapes and so she freezes in the room with him so now you fast forward fast forward 500 years into the future (laughs) and somehow they're they're being salvaged by this space crew you know um and they find out 
who Jason is, and they, you know, he has no life signs or anything like that. So they just let him unthaw. They're not even worried about it, you know. They're like, what's um, a crystal lake? <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. Um, and of course, one guy, the captain on the ship, finds out who he is. And now that they're five hundred years in the future, Jason Voorhees is worth a lot of money because he killed over two hundred people and just disappeared. You know. Well, of course, Jason wakes up. And it is just mayhem from there on out, you yeah. know. And uh, like you said, some of the creative death scenes. Um, yeah, give us some of those because I've. It's interesting. I watched the documentary on this, and uh, I hear the director talk, and the, and the director will come right out and say it wasn't the best. <laughs> he says, "But I had." <laughs> but he's like, "I had a lot of fun making it." <laughs> I bet you know, he did. No, and that, I, I bet he that's did. a lot of experiences they have. I think people's problem was that uh, after they really failed with Jason goes to hell that they were going to bring something back. And you were like, wow, this is what they brought us. But arguably I can't think of any of the death scenes. Why don't you tell me, uh, some of the cooler ones. So, yeah, so this one was really cool. Um, so there's like, it obviously Jason's after everybody. Right. And, um, there's this one kid and like one of their, they're called the grunts. It's like their military unit. Um, and they're like, in this battle with these space aliens, you know, and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Well, they're just about to shoot one and Jason fucking cuts its head off. And they're like, Whoa, what's that? You know? Um, and so he walks up to one of them and they're like talking to him, just talking shit, thinking he's like part of this, uh, you realize it's a video game and you think that, you know, he's just part of the, or they think he's part of the simulation and they keep going like game pause game reset game stop you know and jason of course just keeps walking up to him mm -hmm. and just fucking cuts one of them in half down the middle and then gets the other one and like chops his head off but like they're both still alive and they're perfectly fine and they're like what's going on and, and he can't figure it out <laughs> and then all of a sudden they say okay game over and this whole hologram thing just completely disappears and he was in the video game and he killed the characters because mm -hmm. they were a projection yeah and of course, then, you know, he just slaughters both of them, you know, um, he like body slams the kid and like breaks his back. And then I think he cuts the other guy's head off, you know, um, and then, of course, there's the scene where he finally gets to the captain <laughs> and the captain gives him back his machete. And he's like, he's like, oh, it's OK. You know, and at this point, he's going nuts, you know, and he's like, oh, he was just looking for looking for his machete. And, you know, Jason kills him. And that's like a funny death scene. Um, and then finally, there's one that was really creative where they kind of trap him in that hologram. Um, and he doesn't really know. And it's like a hologram of Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> and they project these two like teenage girls <laughs> and they they just appear out of nowhere and they go. Hey, do you want to come and, and drink with us and, and, you know, smoke some weed and, and have premarital sex? <laughs> we love premarital sex, you know? <laughs> and they both just get into a sleeping bag and they look it up. They look up at him in this adoring fashion and he just takes one of the sleeping bags and just starts beating the other one with one in the sleeping bag, but they're simulations. So he can't kill them. And like they're laughing while he's doing it. Like, and it's just so creative and so fun, but like, yeah, I did. <laughs> it definitely went over the top for the uh, for the fans. Yeah, no, and that's that's what I appreciate about it. Was it a was it a good Friday the Thirteenth? Not at all. That's why it was just called Jason <laughs> X. You well, know? Th that's like, why it it would have made more sense if it was just its own story and it didn't involve Jason. It could have just been a psychotic killer. 
you know? Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And if it was on its own, people, that might have been like a cult movie. But when it's looked at it in that row of fucking fantastic, fantastic being, I mean, I guess if you could make an argument on a lot of those old ones, but I grew up with them and look at them as like masterpieces up at least right. until, up in, till at least eight. Uh, and then it kind of went off the rails after that. But right after Jason X is the, uh, that the remake one and they really nailed the remake one. So yeah, I can't believe we've gone so long without a Friday 13th movie. This might be the longest we've had to wait for a Friday 13th movie. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, because that, that remake was a while ago. Shit, man. I don't know what the date was, but it, it, it's definitely had to be like 2012. Yeah. It had to have been like eight years or something like that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're due, man. I'm ready for one. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Bring it on. My next one. This is going to be an oldie, but a goodie from the 80s, man. And I rewatched it the other day. And damn how it wasn't just uh, they didn't put the budget into it. They didn't put everything into it uh, that they needed to put into it. But if you were a kid in the 80s and you had HBO and you kind of grew up in that time period, you loved The Last Starfighter. Uh, oh, absolutely. 1984, dude. man. But I'm telling you, you rewatch that, and there's some really good stuff in there, but there's also some stuff there like, man, you could see why putting more money into stuff like Star Wars is a hell of a lot better. Uh, oh, I'm sure. But there were some some crazy imagery in the idea behind it I thought was interesting. And it was... What I knew this kid from was Halloween 2. He was like... And he's done a few things here and there, but I always knew him as the last Starfighter kid and the guy from uh, Halloween 2 who was like the... Uh, he worked the EMS guy that ended up kind of falling for Lori. Uh, (laughs) And so he lives in this small, like podunk town, very similar to like tremors or something like that, where the big thing in town is the video game system at like the corner store. Uh, Right. To the point, remember when he was going for the high score and everyone's like shouting outside their uh, doors, Billy's going to get the high score. Yeah, He's going to do it. (laughs) He's going to do it. Everyone comes and gathers around him and cheers. I'm like, what the fuck is going on to this place? (laughs) I play, Mario every I was like I play Mario every day and I got no one cheering my ass (laughs) (laughs) so that part was a little weird but I I loved what happened next when you realized that that machine was put there as a recruiting tool for this war that's going on in space and what they do is they they threw the last starfighter uh video game in there and whoever is the high winner they're gonna make him uh the the starfighter that's gonna save the planet's uh, type of situation which was a really cool thing it was great like, I, I thought it was yeah. awesome and then when they came down i loved the uh so you had like two cool people in this movie uh i don't not even sure if you know who the uh who plays the other one so you got the recruiter who is really really cool and he comes down and he's the one who says hey you, i gotta take you out and there was that cool scene because i watched this young man I, it was 84 so I was like nine, and there was a lot of imagery in it that was strange to me. Uh, the guy, do you remember the guy taking his eyes out and like cleaning them in the car? Oh, I kind of do. The recruiter, and then he puts him back in his head and everything. And they end up bringing him to uh, meet that. It, he looks kind of like a rock creature. You you kind of imagine this is what a very thin, slimmed down version of Fantastic Four's thing looks like. <laughs> right. Do you remember his partner that he kind of went on to the mission uh, with? He was a complete alien, but he looked kind of like a thin rock creature. And it was... Oh, it was... Uh, you, you mean Lou Gossett Jr.? No, they, you're thinking of Enemy Mine. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he kind of looked like that if he was like a rock creature and everything, but it was played brilliantly by the uh, that main dude in... Um, 
uh, Robocop, you know, the guy who ran the entire company that was in number two also, the old guy, they called him the old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He played the the rock, the kind of weird alien rock creature and everything. Uh, really? Th- there was some really great elements. One of my favorite elements of the whole movie is when they pick him up and they bring him to the next planet, they don't want anyone else to know something's going on, so they leave a beta unit there. Do you remember this element of the movie? They left a what? A beta, a beta unit is what they called it. And what it was, it was like this kind of gelatinous glob that eventually over the period of like 24 hours, uh, right before he left him, he, uh, he touched uh, the main Starfighter kid and his DNA got transferred into him. So over 24 hours, he turns into a copy of him. He's got like a clone. That is, oh, that's right. That is interacting with his family and his girlfriend, and he's learning shit and everything, and he doesn't know exactly what's going on. And there's a great scene where he isn't completely formed, and they, uh, it was something out of like a horror movie when I saw it, when the, uh, the kid starts talking to him the, the morning after this had happened, and he hadn't completely changed into that kid's like human form yet, so he had the covers over him. And the kid leaves the room, and the covers like fly off of him, and you see this like nasty, disgusting, like Hellraiser esque face that uh, has like no muscle on it uh, quite yet, but it's filled with veins, and the eyes are like uh, bulging back and forth. And it's so I think I remember that. It was crazy, man. It was like scary as a kid, and I'm rewatching it. Even now, I'm like, man, that's a creepy thing to put into like a PG kids movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool. That, and then there was time uh, later on, they had uh, interactions together, or they sent like a uh, bounty hunter back from space to kill the beta unit. And it was just exciting as shit, man. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. cheesy I, as shit, too, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> but back then, it was great. You yeah. Know? Back then, and it like, was great. I mean, it, you could tell they didn't have the George Lucas money. So things were going to be a little right. bit more sleek and, uh, and not so, uh, kind of, I mean, you, you knew these outfits were makeup and Muppets <laughs> where yeah. they kind of did a better job of hiding it. <laughs> well, and I remember it was, you know what? See, so this is funny because I know this movie. I know exactly everything you're talking about. Like, I remember all of that. But, I think because of my age and the this movie came out the last Starfighter Enemy Mine and um, what's the one with the the Bridges uh, character uh, Jeff Bridges Starman, oh, Starman. yeah they did Those all three come out movies, at the same time yeah they all came out and so in my mind I have like a like just a compilation of all three of those movies uh, and I'd like, watch I remember I totally watched that movie I would watch that movie <laughs> oh you put all three of those together. <laughs> The last Starman fighter. <laughs> yeah, the last Starman fighter. <laughs> no, we got to get enemy in there. <laughs> oh yeah, the last enemy Starman fighter. Nice. <laughs> Fan film. Let's do it with puppets. <laughs> I know, right? I'm ready. Uh, yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. They did all come out at the same exact time. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. All right, what you got? All right. Um, so this one's fun. Also came out in the '80s. And I will put this movie on my list anytime I get the chance to. Oh, Spaceballs! Ah, oh, Spaceballs! Yeah, <laughs> this is this did change things for space too. I, you know, it just kind of continued what Airplane Two, I guess, had done because that was kind right? of in space. But yeah, you knew this was going to happen eventually. <laughs> this this movie was so much fun, dude. The great and, Mel and, Brooks, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, what was the what was Lone Star's name? Uh, uh, Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Yeah, yeah. man. Bill Pullman, you know. John Candy. Who else we got? Well, Mel Brooks played several Brooks, characters, yeah. including the director. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's her name was Dottie. Um, oh, yeah. Joan Rivers. 
Joan Rivers. Rivers. Yeah. Uh, Daphne Zuwini, or I think that's her name. Daphne, Daphne yeah. something was the girl. And then who we Michael, missing there? Michael Winslow made a guest appearance. Michael Winslow, and I love the guy. That, oh, Rick Moranis. Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and Colonel yeah, Sanders. Uh, I loved Colonel then, Sanders, too. Yeah, Colonel Sanders from Fletch. Oh, yeah, man, that guy was know? a great character actor in all sorts of shit growing up. I love that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. He, it, Suzanne Summers did a like cheesy-ass, horrible sitcom called uh, She's the Sheriff. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember. And that. He was the main deputy. He was like the second in charge, and he was the only good thing about watching that whole show. And he made that shit. So, huh. yeah, I love that Mel Brooks kind of got. I, I love that Mel Brooks is still alive and kicking, man. And he's still. I know, dude. Did, did you see the thing with him social distancing with his uh, with his grandson? No. His grandson is in like front of the camera in front of their house, in front of the picture window, and saying, Hey, you gotta social distance this if we if I don't social distance and I hang out with uh uh I hang out with my father and then my father goes and hangs out with Carl Reiner and Carl Reiner goes hangs out with uh uh, Dick Van Dyke, then I've like killed the comedy generation. So you have to, uh, you have to social distancing, uh, distance. And then all of, a, <laughs> all of a sudden Mel Brooks walks in front and he looks at, he, he like looks at the camera and he, uh, looks through the picture window. And he's like, go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. Oh, sure. it's funny, man. <laughs> Yeah, dude. He's great. This, um, this was one of those, I mean, this was right up the, the time period was perfect for this type of spoofing too, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely, dude. And I mean, it you know, it's it's Star Wars, you know. Yeah, it's, it's Star just, Wars. It's, but it's just as slapstick of a comedy as you can possibly make out of it and I mean, it, it's a riot. It's just one laugh after another yeah. and quote after quote after quote, you know. <laughs> you know, like the the code to Druidia is oh, yeah, 1 man. 2 3 4 5 and Mel Brooks is like <laughs> Mel Brooks is like that's amazing. It's the same number, uh, same code on my suitcase. <laughs> and they, you know, there at one point they had said like, you know, that sounds like something an idiot would have on oh, their yeah. suitcase. You know? <laughs> man, I love and like I I love John Candy in this movie too, man. That was like uh, one of the big things putting him in there as uh, as the Mog. <laughs> yeah, half man, half, half man, dog, half dog. You know, <laughs> I'm my own best like, friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, oh, or uh, Pizza the Hut. Oh, Pizza the Hut, man. That was so crazy. You know? And then he had his little buddy who was supposed to be like a, a mechanical Max Max Hedrum type yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was weird, too. You know? You're it's, delicious, oh, pizza. pizza. You taste delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about it was great, man. I, they met yogurt instead of Yoda, and they just had that great kind of uh, – uh, they had that great kind of blueprint of just what to do just by going off of the uh, situations that were in Star Wars. I mean, it was very Star Wars heavily. Uh, uh, I mean, they did other kind of spoofs within that whole thing, but the whole thing was basically Star Wars. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we really you know, have instead like... Of the, instead of the Force, they had the shorts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You> know, like... <laughs> I, I love when they caught their stunt doubles on the Death Star. <laughs> These are not them! <laughs> These are the stunt doubles. <laughs> That's like, the great you know Steve Tobolowsky. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, what's funny is, is I remember when I saw that movie for the first time, I didn't get it because I didn't know what a stunt double was. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. And so like, I, you know, I, I didn't even get that joke. And then as I got older, I've, I've watched this movie several, several times, you know, 
one day it just clicked and I was like, oh, huh, I was 35 funny. stunt double. <laughs> I get it. I was watching it yesterday and I finally <laughs> realized what it meant. <laughs> uh, I do that all the time with movies where I think something is more grandiose in a movie or like something oh, yeah. like a v- movie that really affected you because of the violence or the extreme nudity. And then you go back and you watch it and like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, that Dude, was I nothing. Remember, <laughs> yeah. I remember another specific joke that I didn't get, but I laughed because everybody was laughing is in Wayne's world. I saw it in the theater with my brother and like his best friend. Um, and the scene where he's flipping the cards and on the back, one of them says, this man blows goats. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And everybody just laughed. You know what I mean? And I, I, I then you know I, the next I time a, i saw it i was like i get it now. <laughs> <laughs> i had a very similar situation in um bill and ted's uh, excellent adventure when they were doing the 69 dude yeah i was so like what, what the number fuck? am i thinking of yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay everyone else finds it funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah but uh yeah dude space balls is just an outright great comedy yeah. and it's what's your favorite it's scene? every oh, favorite scene yeah. um Jeez, uh, either the this ludicrous speed. It's got to be ludicrous speed. <laughs> Man, that might have to be mine too. That was a really yeah. good one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has to be a Morenis. It has to be a Rick Morenis kind of thing. I don't know. Absolutely. I do. I do love the small little scene where uh, they drop the statue in uh, John Candy's foot, and it gets huge. And he just kind of slinks away. I always love that scene too. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, and I think it is, I think like all of my favorite scenes without having to go into the full scenes are probably the Mr. Coffee with Rick Moranis where he (laughs) drinks the coffee and it's too hot and he spits it out and he spits it in his mask. Um, The scene where they're, they're looking at the screen and they're basically looking at the recording of the movie. And he's like, well, when can we get to then? He's like, we just, we just were there. He's like, what? That just, just surpassed. <laughs> that just surpassed my favorite moment. That would be that's mine now. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so and good. then when when they do the ludicrous speed and like, oh, it's so so great, dude. It's really, so when fun. you think about it, I, I would have loved to seen another movie with uh, Colonel Sanders and uh, and Rick Moranis just in it on their own, man. Just but, them together. Yeah, oh, those guys were comedy great, gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, Rick. I'll say it because I just I'm gonna wish it until it happens. I hope he's in the new Ghostbusters. Please uh, make it happen. From what I hear, it's uh, a good possibility. That's what <sighs> I hear. So we'll see. Well, if you if you do hear, don't actually tell me. <laughs> I'll let you figure surprised. it out for yourself. <laughs> I want to <laughs> <Yeah>. be surprised. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So my next one, I'm going to stick in the 80s, man. And this is 80s classic cheese. Like if I watched this as – I watched this a lot more in the 90s and later in, uh, than I did in the 80s. But if I had watched it more in the 80s, it probably would have given Big Trouble in Little China a run for its money. Because this movie Ooh. was so fucking great is 1980s Flash Gordon. Now, is this Flash uh, Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Where Max von Sydow plays Ming the Merciless. And yes. it's just so friggin' campy and funny, man. And this has, uh, so you got Max von Sydow, I think Sam Jones plays uh, Flash Gordon, and this is basically his big thing that he's done. Uh, you've got uh, Timothy Dalton, like way before he was James Bond. You forget that he was in this movie as like the resistance. So basically to kind of set it up, uh, people that don't know Flash Gordon or the comic strip or any of that is you've got Ming the Merciless, who's like, uh, he's 
up in space and he's got these buttons that say hurricane tornado and then he just like <laughs> he just like hits it and it happens in the earth <laughs> so he's like horrible for the earth so this one guy very similar to like the last starfighter goes down to pick up this guy that is supposed to like save everybody and just uh, bring balance to everything you know it's done in star wars and everything else so it just happens to be the quarterback for the jets <laughs> played by sam jones uh right. who's flash gordon and they grab him and they grab i think his girlfriend is who it was and they immediately bring him up to where ming the merciless is they get captured we start seeing all these different tons of creatures and the different kind of like uh, people that are against the people for Ming the Merciless, like they have resistance that's constantly fighting them. They have these wing creatures that are fighting them. And we soon figure out what the hell's going on. And it's basically once they're up there, it's just Sam Jones kicking ass inside Ming the Merciless's like palace and everything and escaping and then uh, finding uh, getting caught by the resistance who's played by uh, Timothy Dalton leads the resistance very like Errol Flynn kind of Robin Hood style and he teams up with them and he teams up with the uh, the wing people and it's, it's just so much goddamn fun man did you never catch <laughs> this when you were growing up so I, I've seen it once yeah. and and like I you know I remember him kind of flying on this little like single person like rocket scooter mm-hmm. or something like that. Yep, yep. Um yeah, and, and like I I remember it, but not <laughs> not well, obviously. Yeah. Oh, they had the guy they they had a couple really good I guess Dalton was probably pretty respected when he did this movie. I mean obviously didn't have James Bond under his belt. But the guy that recruited him, there was a scientist that kind of recruited him and he was he knew what was going on and he was going to figure out this whole thing. And he ended up getting brainwashed. They put him in this like machine and he becomes like one of Ming's minions now. Well, the actor they got is the guy from like Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> and he's like this really, really kind of great actor. And he was so fucking funny in this movie, man. I loved watching really? him. And then at the end, when you think he's going to take over, he like snaps out of it and it reveals that he was faking it the whole time and you cannot corrupt this brain of mind <laughs> type of thing and he like, he like played it off until the end and it was it was just exciting there was a couple different uh fight sequences uh like there was a great sequence where flash gordon and timothy dalton had to like fight each other and they were on this like movable disc that kept tilting up and down and it was it reminded me of like Ip man 2 you know, when they were on the table. Interesting, on the table, yeah. Yeah, except if they fell off this, they would fall into, like, the, the outer universe or something like that. <gasps> so when it, it tilted at some point, Timothy Dalton was about to fall, and Flash Gordon grabbed him, and, we gotta be friends, dude. We gotta fight this together. You and me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking fun, man. It's one of those movies yeah. you put on Sunday morning, and you just smile through the whole thing. The whole soundtrack is done by Queen. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's, the music is so great. I love it. And like you said, Flash Gordon, ah. <laughs> yeah Man, it's, it's like great. Uh, it's like queen's version of uh tommy the who yeah it, it was really really clever man and I'm, I'm not sure how it did back then my guess is not well <laughs> but it's one of those movies that becomes instantly a cult classic just because i mean you got the lizard people and they have those gold people and i don't there's a line of toys like action figures that came out that i've been looking to buy for it they only have like five of them and it sucks because there's so many different cool characters how they didn't have one of the wing creatures in the uh the line of toys it's it sucks but they have a really great lizard woman i'll have to text you a picture of it later on 
the Ming the Merciless figure uh, and the uh, the lizard creature are always like the really sought after ones. And I, apparently uh-huh. the lizard creature is always missing your tail. So if you can find her with a tail, it's like 40, 50 bucks. It's cool. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was fun, man. So yeah, if anyone catches, I'm not sure how you're going to, maybe on Netflix or maybe you got the DVD. Check out Flash Gordon. Hell yeah. Um, so this is my most modern one. Um, and definitely the biggest blockbuster on my list by far. Um, and that is avatar. Oh yeah. By far, by far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Avengers, uh, what end game is the only one that's beaten it, right? Or was it in yeah. war also? I don't know. I uh, know it was, it was end game. Um, but yeah. of course I, I, I loved, I loved watching that battle go back and forth because you know, they were saying, oh, yeah. well, like with, with inflation, you <laughs> you'd never be able to touch Avatar. And it's like, well, that's too bad. And they re-re- Marvel re-released it just to give it that push, too. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I heard a story, I don't know, two weeks ago um, that when they were reopening China and they were going to reopen some of the theaters, they were re-releasing Endgame to like try and get people into the theaters because it was like one of the world's biggest you know releases they were just gonna do that like dude we all have it on our big screen tvs now (laughs) i know right yeah i own it i own (laughs) that shit (laughs) uh no Um, i I love avatar and there i've found there is like two really strong uh schools of thought on this (laughs) those that love it and those that hate it you know Really? There's a I, lot I of people I've that ever... hate Avatar, man. A lot of people. Interesting. I don't think I ever talked to anybody that didn't like it. A lot of people look at it as like some bullshit hippie agenda type of thing. And then there's other people that can look past whatever the fuck they're talking about and just realize a great sci-fi movie when they see it. This, yeah. was, this was a very cleverly done great sci-fi. But I, I have. I've come across at least five or six people that I've known in the past that just can't stand this movie. I always loved it. Yeah, no, that's crazy. I now this is when uh, you know, and I, I wish I knew what year this came out. I think it was like 2010. It's got to be. One, I bet it's earlier. It's got to be at least 2007 because remember, I think on the set we had a bootleg copy of this movie. Interesting. That was going around between a lot of people on our last movie, and I, because I remember uh, telling Dave, I said we can't be making independent movies and handing out bootlegs. <laughs> so it was something that was coming out in like a month earlier or something like that so it might have been around 2007 i got you okay well i i went and saw it uh with my buddy in the movie theater and it was right when they were redoing 3d and when i i mean dude i tell you (laughs) like you said movies to take acid on i i was walking out of that movie going man i wish i was on acid while i was watching that movie so you saw it in the 3d I did. Oh, it nice. Was, it was incredible, dude. I, nothing like anything we had, you know, nothing like anything you'd ever seen before. And I even remember, because um, this was when they first started the real 3D, real D, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I remember they said that, like, people were getting motion sickness because it was so real. Um, and, yeah, man, the way that they made this movie, even without the 3D, you know the the CGI the the world that they created. It was crazy, was man. Just, I I it love was the, insane. the script, the idea that this guy with no legs, they the I'm telling you, this is right up my alley. The idea that all right, your brother was the guy who was going to be part of this program, but your brother died. But because the the whole thing is contingent on a suit 
that is an avatar that is connected to his DNA. And because you're his brother and you have his DNA, we need you. And on as a bonus, you'll be able to walk again when you're in this fucking suit. Now, if they pitch, yeah. if they pitch that to me, I just throw my wallet at them. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. That's all they'd have to pitch to me. Uh, I mean, it's James Cameron didn't probably have to pitch anything to anybody, but uh, right. that idea was brilliant to me. I remember when I first heard about it, because I, when you first hear about it from anyone, you think blue people and the dragon, and the and that type right, of thing, yeah. But that stuff behind it and the like, the stuff with Stephen Lang who played the the evil kind of military guy. Yeah, absolutely. I love Stephen Lang, and I love him when they put him in. He's in a lot of great movies. He, he dude, he, could, he plays like basically the exact same character, but a nicer guy in what is it, Matrix Revolutions? He's even in one of those suits. Oh yeah, that's funny. I don't <laughs> yeah. even remember him being in Matrix Revolutions because I hated that movie so much. Uh, <laughs> but he's been he's been around since the early like eighties. That I mean, he was the party uh, crasher in the hard yep. way. He's played that big guy, but he was in Manhunter and a whole bunch of different stuff. And he he's in, also uh, played generals. Like he played General Stonewall Jackson in like uh, Gods and Generals, and he played another general in Gettysburg. So he he's got like some serious gravitas. He's got he's in that other movie that I haven't seen that I actually own that don't. Bring Breathe. I guess it's the movie where she breaks into the blind guy's house. Her and her. Friend. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, uh, and he plays that. that guy too. And I uh, and I don't He's even know if it's. I don't even know if it's good, but I know Stephen Lang gets to play some uh, fucked up character, a blind guy. I'm, I'm, my money's in. So for me, for Avatar, that was the best role for him, man. Just when he's having that discussion, when he's in that suit, and he's like. We need somebody on the inside. We need somebody who's going to be like uh, kind of true to the core on this type of thing. And if you do that, I promise I'll get your legs back to you. Like, ah, oh, God, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, you know, once he gets in there, he starts to kind of lean the other way. And, you know, but, uh, man, and, I, you know, we don't have to go through the whole plot. No, I mean, there's, every... there's so much good stuff, though. I mean, yeah. for, for me, and I, it sucks when you only have, uh, well, it's a long movie, uh, but the best part for me is that first half hour, man. You put that movie on and it sucks you in. If you watch that first half hour and they're going through everything, and then once he comes into that suit, you know, and he busts out outside and Sigourney Weaver's out there on the fucking basketball course and it's just yeah. blowing your mind. Or when they come in contact with that, like, crazy jaguar and those creatures that are in the jungle. Oh, yeah. I mean, not since like Peter Jackson's King Kong did you see creatures in the jungle that could fucking devour you and kill you. And and for me, that was my favorite stuff about that Peter Jackson. uh, King Kong was when they fell down into the bug pit. Oh, God. And and a lot of Avatar reminded me of that kind of bug pit from uh, King Kong. Huh. Yeah, but I mean, super incredible storyline. Great it, cast the, too, man. I mean, you had uh, what has he done recently? That guy, Sam Worthington, he, or is that what his name is? Who's that? The, the main dude, the main character. Yeah, you yeah. know, I can't think of his, yeah, he's his the, name right now. I think that's what it is, and he's uh, also in um, uh, Terminator Salvation, and he's been right, in a bunch yeah. of different stuff too. He's kind of. I wonder if they've working him into the. I want to say that they've they've already announced six sequels to uh, Avatar. If you look up James Cameron, <laughs> it's true. Look up James Cameron or look up Sigourney Weaver and look up her upcoming films. And it, and she's signed on for all of them and is like six yeah. of them. I was like, that's kind of ballsy. Why don't you just post one of them? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, no, that's and I, I remember us talking about this previously. And and my whole thing is is like, how do you set up four, five, six movies? 
And what if the first one just fucking flops, man? You, you know, you just got to like, be confident that it's going to be great enough. But you also got to worry about people are going to remember this. I mean, it's almost been 13 years yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. since this shit. So it's, it's kind of crazy. But I guess it'll give a, it'll give a boost to avatar one. And I guess if people are invested enough, they'll then go see number three. Yeah. You Have know you what been I mean? To the, uh, the ride. What is it? Universal. <laughs> so I went down, <laughs> I take that as a, <laughs> there's a story here. <laughs> yeah. I went down to, uh, what is it? Wild kingdom, um, is where it is. Animal kingdom. And, you mean? Animal Kingdom, yeah. Um, Wild Kelly and Kingdom. I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, Kelly and I went down there one time, and dude, we went over to like what is it, Pandora? Yeah. Um, we went over there, and we waited in line for like three and a half hours to go on basically Pirates of the Caribbean, but in Pandora, and it was cool. It was neat, but it was like forty-five seconds long. And we wanted to do the one where you like flew on the back of that dragon or whatever it was. That's what I hear is the good thing. I, I don't right. know about the other thing. I know that that I guess is it technically a roller coaster? I guess maybe I, or a simulation or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. I hear it's um, good. I hear it's awesome. Yeah, that one. The line was already two and a half hours. We got in the one that said it was ninety minutes. <laughs> and we were in that line for three and a half hours. So. Ooh. <laughs> yeah we left we left after that <laughs> but it was really cool looking, it's, a, it's dead right now man we could go there and totally pull a crack uh, a clark griswold you know it's a security guard Absolutely. there <laughs> yeah definitely some beverly hills cop three <laughs> uh, yeah what was your favorite scene from avatar before we move off of it um you know i think i like the spirit tree um i think i like everything kind of surrounding that and when the little white kind of floaty jellyfish flowers. I, I would think that most people wouldn't pick that scene. I think that's what a lot of the people had the problems with. I don't think they had a problem with, obviously, the racing of the dragons and the shit like that. So it's interesting that that part uh, kind of spoke to you uh, in particular. I'm just a very spiritual I know, person. man. You're very man. sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> it's... When you think about it, that movie is really Fern Gully in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. And, it really is. And I love Fern Gully, but <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of Fern Gully kind of references in there. Yeah. I'm watching the movie. This is bullshit. I saw, <laughs> I saw, I saw this movie 20 years when ago. I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next movie, man, and this is 2000. And there's, there's a couple of reasons why this movie is on here because this is another one that it, some people either liked it or you hated it, had star a lot of great actors. It kind of underperformed and it, it would never get like a 10 out of 10 for me, but it, it gets like a seven for me. And the reason I put it on my list is for two specific kind of instances in this movie. And this is 2000's Red Planet. No, I think I've seen this one. Now, this is the one with Val Kilmer. Yeah. and uh, I, I've seen it, but I don't remember much about it. All right, so I'll give you the layout here, and I'll tell you what these two scenes are. Uh, so you've got Val Kilmer and uh, Carrie Ann Moss, Benjamin Bratt, uh, Terrence uh, Stamp, and uh, Simon Baker, who is the main guy from Land of the Dead. And they're all astronauts, and they're going to Mars. What, oh, and Tom Sizemore. And this, Tom Sizemore is important to this because he's one of the best people in this movie, actually. Uh, Tom Sizemore and Val Kilmer were great in this. Uh, <clears throat> I usually like Carrie Ann Moss, but she really wasn't selling it to me. The problem was is she was kind of separated from the crew, so she did a lot of like one-man show, talking to herself type of things. And I'm like, eh, I'm right. not sure that's the best possible thing for her to do. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I normally love her, though. I loved her in Matrix. I loved her in Fido. 
but memento uh memento for sure so yeah. what's happening um at the start of the movie they're launching like this algae into onto mars and it's going to theoretically cover mars with all this algae and it's gonna uh eventually uh create oxygen that can be constructed in in another way where eventually they can uh um, breathe. They can breathe. So right. what they do is they go up there, and this is at the infancy of it. They they've gone up probably a couple times. They've launched, um, well, they've launched it a couple times, and now they're going up with the crew to find out. There's a weird sub story with this, which, and I've argued with people before. You either need it in the movie or you don't need it. it depends on you. There's like this robotic jaguar creature that Val Kilmer. Uh, has there and it, it basically acts, oh yeah it acts as a drone but it also has like a military mode and that's kind of what happens in the movie that accidentally when it hits the planet gets switched to military mode and it eventually is like hunting down these kind of astronauts that are on board so they're going up there and this is the one of the two scenes that makes this movie for me so once they get there they realize that the space station that they're going to uh connect with is they kind of have a crash landing on board. They get separated from Carrie Ann Moss. She's on the kind of uh, floating above the atmosphere, and they're on the planet below. They're going to go to the uh, space station on the planet, and it's completely destroyed. For some reason, astronauts, uh, asteroids hit it or something. It's completely gone. And they realize, whoa, we're fucked. <laughs> you know, we can't get back up there. We're on this planet, and we each have about an hour and a half left of... Uh, of oxygen to survive oxygen. and they're like freaking out and there's one great moment where simon baker uh is blaming benjamin bratt for the crash landing and they're off towards the side and they're all kind of reserved that we're gonna die their air's down to like 10 minutes they have 10 minutes left to die and simon baker has it out with benjamin bratt and just kicks him off the edge of the fucking uh ravine and benjamin bratt just falls to his death uh oh, down wow. this whole thing and he comes back to where the group is and he says, Benjamin Bratz, he just, he just jumped. And they were like, he just jumped. <laughs> and then they're, uh, right then their registers or the, uh, the voice, uh, on their suits is saying, you have 30 seconds left of breathable air, switch oxygen tanks now. And they're all freaking out. And Val Kilmer rips his helmet off and there's fucking breathable air around him. And he's, he's looking right. at them and he's like, there's air, there's air. And there is like, it's not possible. He's like, I'm fucking breathing it, man. It's not, yeah. it's not great, but it's, it's here. And this is like way above where it should have been and everything. <clears throat> and I love that idea. And then it was posed, oh man, if Benjamin Bratt just waited two seconds, he he, he would have realized you could have breathed out here. And then you realize, right? oh shit, Simon Baker's a fucking killer here. <laughs> right. And uh, it kind of affects him and everything. But the other killer part of this movie for me, man, was uh, later on they had to like explore a whole bunch of Mars and everything. And I'm jumping over a whole bunch of shit. But they get to a spot they, they can't find out where the algae is. They're like, where's the algae? And Tom Sizemore is like the scientist. He's like, I just can't figure out where the hell is the algae. So they get one part of the planet. They go over this ridge and it's all green. And they're like, oh, it's the algae. And they find these like weird beetly bugs, almost similar to like the scarabs in uh, Scarab, the mummy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're crazy uh, bugs that are eating the algae. And so some Tom Sizemore like traps one and it ends up going in his suit and you realize that these things are fucking evil and but they're uh they're creating all sorts of energy and everything so if they could get one of these back it's going to be helpful and everything but they're lethal as hell and it was crazy the whole like last 10 minutes like i said you, you could really do this movie without the the killer jaguar 
kind of creature that's uh, that's kind of jumping around and stabbing people. Uh, there is one cool moment with the Jaguar where at the very beginning he's showing Val Kilmer uh, or Val Kilmer showing Simon Baker how lethal it is uh, when, when it's in military mode and he sticks like a red magic marker in his hand and then like a split second goes by and uh, he makes this crazy move and Simon Baker's like, that's supposed to impress me or something. And he looks down and he's got like from his like lower stomach all the way to his shoulder is this like magic marker line <laughs> on his white suit it's really crazy. oh wow <laughs> yeah it's fun man hell yeah yeah no and I, I i vaguely remember that one too but i do remember it being a lot of fun and you know obviously it being on mars and having the red tint to it and everything like that and like yeah i mean it, it had issues I, I probably made it sound a lot more exciting than it was like i said those two <laughs> scenes like the air scene and then the bug yeah. scene at the end were worth watching it alone it was really really good for that and tom sizemore i thought tom sizemore was good it wasn't like a character he usually plays <clears throat> i mean he played that tough sarcastic type of uh character they always plays but he's like a scientist type of dude and i'm surprised they cast him in that way but he was great hell yeah um so we'll go to another stranded on a planet uh and that is yeah i know right uh vin diesel in pitch black pitch black oh this was such a great movie i wore my dvd off with this fucking movie man we played it so much yeah dude this was so much fun man directed Um, by the great mark foster forster no i'm not I'm not familiar with other stuff he's done. I not a whole hell of a lot. I remember I was really into him after Pitch Black. I, he might have done Monsters Ball actually, which is depressing as shit. But I'm, wow. I'm pretty sure he did that. But uh, I remember being like so impressed with the style in this movie and like the colors. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> and I'm just gonna sneak in here i also like number two uh, <laughs> <laughs> i saw number two in the is there a number three also the, there is a number okay. three okay. um and yeah i saw that one but it, i mean it's basically like the first one yeah. you know like uh um, i saw the second I, one in the theater i was just not impressed i loved the kind of uh the obstacle that they had to overcome in that first one a lot more than what was going on in the second one there was some good actors I, in the second one i mean uh judge dread was in there and uh yeah like, carl urban yep he was great um and my thing with the second one was and then i'll get off of that one um was just the backstory of riddick and who he was and yeah. like his you know that was the, the i kind of like the thing. idea of not knowing who he was though i thought that was cool about that first one he was very kind of shady and i, I like oh, the yeah. idea that only cole hauser kind of knew who the hell he was and no one else kind of took him serious uh and, yeah and he was constantly warning them cole hauser was great in this movie too no, he was, yeah, he was awesome, man, you know, and so, like, so, yeah, so he was, like, a bounty hunter, and, of course, you know, Vin Diesel, um, do you remember his name? Oh, Riddick. Riddick, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, Riddick was, like, you know, the, the biggest bounty there was, you know, and so he had gotten a hold of him, um, and somehow, some way, they end up having to crash their ship, um, and I, I forget how they meet up with the other group of people. Do you remember? Uh, they... Well, they crash land. It's like a transport ship, and Rada, Rosh, Rada Mitchell, I think, is her name. She's awesome. I saw her in another movie where she was like kidnapping children, uh, like oh, wow. from their cribs, and she was good in uh, Silent Hill. Uh, I loved her in that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, she was. Remember, she was ejecting the pods. She was going to eject all the bodies so they could make it. Remember, in the in the pilot oh, said, "Stop, right. yeah. stop ejecting them and everything." And then they crashed land. So I think everyone was on that uh, transport ship. I got you. And yeah, okay. and Riddick was one of them with Cole Hauser. 
Right. And so lo and behold, they, they crash on this planet full of these, you know, alien predator, like, I don't even know, like dinosaur, yeah. you know, flying things that just eat the shit out of people. They were kind of uh, like Starship Troopers-esque. More. Yeah. Yeah, but they were more I, fluid. Like, I love one of my favorite scenes in this movie is where she had to go down that tunnel and that she's trying to climb up there and she's trying to make noise. And you could, once they finally pull her out of that tunnel, you see the first look of one of those creatures and it just is like yeah. super fast and just sweeps across the floor. It was really, really neat. Yeah, man. They're like, they're like pterodactyls almost, yeah. but they're, but they have like this, their, their head is like a hammerhead shark, Yep. but it's like a, but it's like a plus symbol. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really, um, and I'll tell you one of my, one of my favorites things. And so basically <laughs> shit, this movie is them realizing, Hey, we're, we're in a really bad predicament and we're all going to have to like work together to get out of here. Yeah. Um, and so go well, ahead. The, the, the idea of the light and the dark is what's great uh, in this too, because they realize with the creatures that as long as they stay in the light, it's fine. They're, they're attracted to the dark, you know? Right. But then they've, the one time you crash land on this planet, they find that model and says, oh, we're about to have like an eclipse that's going to last for like two months or something like that. So yeah, now we're exactly. screwed. But then there comes in the the kind of usefulness of the Riddick character. You tell us what he got done to his eyes, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, there's a kid that's with them who's fascinated by Riddick. And like basically he's still being held prisoner. And the, the kid is asking like, you know, how – how she can get eyes like that. Yeah. Um, and first of all, I have to say when I saw this originally, I thought that that kid was a boy. I, well, that was I, the, I really that was did. the thing. Yeah. That was the kind of the, uh, the thing that they were pulling over our eyes until they revealed that they realized that the creatures were following them because not only was she a girl, she was on her period. Uh, right. And yeah. The creatures were all over the place. I love that reveal. That was a really fun one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, he tells them like, you know, you, you got to kill a few people first and get sent to this, you know, max prison that's underground and there's no light. And then you have to, you know, pay this guy 20 cool cigarettes to mm -hmm. do like a shine job on your eyes. And, you know, and like, then you can, and the kids like, you know, so you can see people coming for you in the dark. And he's like, exactly. You know? And so that gives him the ability to be able to see in the dark so he can see these animals, you know, and like they, they unfortunately get hunted down one by one, you know? Um, but dude, one of my favorite parts is when he finds the blind spot and like, Oh yeah. The creature, yeah. the creature flies up to him and like, you know, or, and it turns its head for a moment. And when it turns back, he like gets right in the middle of where it can't see. And he moves back and forth as it moves its head looking for him. Dude, such a cool scene, man. Yeah, it and, really was. I loved uh, Keith David in this movie was great as kind of like the yeah, holy absolutely. man. And just that I, I love the idea of, uh, of what it starts as a large group moving towards something and then just gradually one's getting picked off after another. And you realize watching it, you, see, you know, two or three people may make it through this and everything. And it's been done several times, but it's so enjoyable, especially a lot of it was Vin Diesel, you know, because he's such a likable anti-hero. I mean, you hear oh, yeah. he's horrible, but you don't give a shit. You're like, this is the only chance these guys have. And, and he wasn't mean in any of the scenes that we saw, you know, it was, he was a very likable guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, but still at the same time, like, 
you know, there's that scene near the end where him and uh, I'm sorry, what was the lady's name from uh, like Silent a, Hill? Uh, Rada Mitchell? Yeah, you know, where he's like basically saying where she told them she promised that she would bring light back for them so that they could make it safe to the ship. And he's basically like, no, fuck them. I'm leaving without them, you know, and they have it out and everything. And, you know, it's just it's a really good movie. Dude. Yeah, it's really, really good. And I, I think that was the main problem I had. I mean, if I watched the second one, maybe I'd enjoy it more. But the bar was set really high with how smart that movie was and how stylistic it was. I mean, when you look at the colors, I mean, the whole movie is done in like almost like sepia tones. And it's just yeah. how that planet is. And it just made it so unique. I loved it. Perfect. Like sci-fi film. Well, and I also liked, I you know, I liked when they showed the way that he would see yeah, and the way that yeah. the, the way that the animals would see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and they only did that a few times. Yeah, you know, it didn't get did old. That was good. Right. They did it just enough to make you wish that they did it more, yeah. you know, and, and it was just it was really well done. Damn, I need to rewatch Pitch Black. You, you, you've done this thing now. I need to go back and watch Avatar and Pitch Black. <laughs> Talking about some of these flicks I haven't seen in a while, man. Well, yeah. speaking of that, this next one is a movie that I think we talked about possibly on our first 10 episodes of this pod, and it hasn't been even like whispered about since since then. And I, it was such a great uh, sci-fi movie, and I remember the day I got it on DVD, and I was so stoked. I remember the day I saw it in the theater because I went to the theater, and it was so packed that I stood for two hours in the back of the theater and watched the whole movie. And that's wow. 1994's Stargate. Oh, wow. God, man, I fucking love Stargate, man. And people always forget about it, which is weird because, I mean, it spawned the TV show and everything. I didn't get into the TV show. I thought uh, the only sci-fi show I ever got into uh, for the Sci-Fi Network was that Battle of Star Galactica. I thought that one was really fucking good. But Mm. the the Stargate show, I mean, it was – it had – MacGyver on it and it was just kind of cheap and cheesy and everything. I love yeah. I love the, this, the movie. This was with, Kurt Russell, yeah, right? Kurt Russell, James Spader. Uh, James Spader, that's v- right. The Grinch, uh, the great French Stewart <laughs> from uh uh what was that uh what was that John Lithgow sitcom where he was like Third Rock uh, to the Moon. Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, the, yeah Third guy, Rock from the Sun. French Stewart's that guy with the squeaky voice. Like the oh really was he in that I forgot <laughs> yeah. he was in that he played like one of the military guys who was completely like straight in it and that's like, funny it's so much so to you like is that French Stewart <laughs> uh, that's funny man I love Stargate man it's such a great story and I it doesn't surprise me that they would make a series out of it because it was very cleverly done I love oh yeah uh, do you remember Stargate pretty well I I, I mean pretty well i couldn't go too detail specific but like you know i I remember it yeah now if anyone's out there looking for this i totally suggest getting the director's cut or it's the uncut version whatever the extended version i think is what it's called it's got an extra like 25 minutes in it it's completely worth it it's one of those movies that and and it happens every once in a while when you when you see an uncut movie a lot of it is just if it's a comedy you know they kind of throw it up a couple uh lines in there or something but every once in a while there'll be a uh, an extended cut or something that will come out and you'll see what they cut out and you're like, holy shit, how did they leave that fucking thing out of this movie? And it was a couple huh. like that in Stargate. One of them was where they showed uh, this the scene where they actually get to the other planet and they, the group separates and some of them stay at the pyramid and the other group goes and finds that large group of people that are kind of like the indigenous people there and it's, it's run by that guy from Son-in-Law who uh, are... 
not son-in-law, uh, Encino man that worked at the Quickie Mart. <laughs> Stop wheezing oh, the juice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He was That's like the funny, main yeah. holy man in, in Stargate. I loved it. So while they're there, remember a sandstorm hits the pyramid. And that's when yeah. the guys with all the jackal heads come down and they take all them and everything. And that's all we see. We don't see a sandstorm back at the other place. Well, there's an actual like 10 minute scene where they're all the people, the indigenous people and Kurt Russell and all those guys are fleeing the sandstorm, which was a major scene. I was like, how'd they leave that out? And there was another huh. scene before they even went in through the Stargate where they showed this huge artifact that had like the head of the jackal on it. And it was the first time we saw the jackal in the movie was in that artifact behind this secret room that uh, Kurt Russell had to use as like key card to get into it and everything. And they cut that whole scene out. And I was like, man, that's an awesome like little mini scene there. Yeah. So check out the extended cut. But basically there's this kind of uh, portal that takes you to other planets and it has to be kind of rung up like a telephone. If you do the wrong number, it won't work. And someone's got to decipher it. And that's where James Spader comes in and he can decipher it. And that was the only thing I rewatching it. Like, uh, he's like identifying stuff that the best people in the world couldn't identify. And that was even a line from it, uh, where the general says, so you've, uh, you're going to sit here and explain to us while you've figured out in two days what the other people have taken like two years. And he's like, whoa, two years? Really? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like the moment he under he figures out that Orion, the symbol for Orion is actually on the Stargate. And I'm like, come on, man. These guys are like astrologists. No one noticed that was fucking Orion. <laughs> that was just, me, know, right? that was just yeah. me blowing holes in it, watching it uh, the other day. But <laughs> I loved it back in the day. Uh, so basically, yeah, they opened the Stargate. Him and the military guys go through. Stargate closes. He wasn't completely forthcoming, and he doesn't know what the symbols are to get them back. So they're kind of stuck in this world and everything. It was great, man. I loved the world they created. I loved that they got Jay Davison, uh, who played was in the Crying Game, to play the evil Ra. Remember, the backstory was that the alien kind of went over this kind of uh, city and stole this child and used his body as his own and then brought him to space. And it was awesome, man. It was so much fun. Yeah. I love the stuff. I, I, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, I really remember that I liked their like staffs and, and oh, they yeah. were like guns, right? Yeah. They, they have like, action. Shot, like blue. Yeah. yeah it's like a like, blue beam. Dude, I, yeah, yeah, you know, I I, re- I just remember like it, dude, that was a fun movie. Yeah, it was they had like, action figures for it too. I remember the action figures that came out didn't do well, but <laughs> they had them. Uh, I love <laughs> they, they were out there, damn it. Yeah, they had like that resurrection thing. Remember, there was a point where uh, where James Spader got shot in the chest, and he woke up in in this like coffin almost and it opens up and he got out of it and he realized, holy shit, it just like healed him. So they have like the, right in like Ra's main chamber is the kind of ability to resurrect things. And he uses it later on when the girl gets shot. And I love the idea of that. uh, Remember those rings that would come down that would transport you up to the ship? Yeah, And yeah. they would come down one ring at a time until yeah, you were absolutely. like fully encapsulated. And there was a moment later on where it went down on someone's head and their head shot up and the body stayed there. Ah, oh, so great. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt Russell too, man. Kurt Russell played like this kind of desperate character. Because remember at the beginning of the movie, when they came to visit him to be part of the program, he he was on his son's bed with a gun in his hand ready to shoot himself in the head because his son, the backstory was his son played with a gun when he was younger and shot and killed himself, so the father never recovered off of it. So the, the initial 
kind of plan was for Kurt Russell to go through the Stargate if he saw any danger, blow up the, uh, send everyone back, stay there and blow it up with this nuclear weapon. So Kurt Russell actually went there with a nuclear weapon. And that's kind of <laughs> what the alien presence kind of observed. And it's like, oh, well, now we have this nuclear weapon. Crazy. That, you know, that's so fucking typical of us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we found this portal to a new dimension. Let's hey, you know what? Blow let's, it let's, up. Bring yeah, let's bring a nuke. Let's bring a nuke. You brought a nuke to a gunfight? <laughs> That's so American it's a of us. meet and greet, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was a great movie, man. Check it out. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Um, all right. So this one, dude, you can't have an outer space sci-fi movie without having an Eddie Murphy movie at oh the same God. time. This could, <laughs> this could only be one thing. <laughs> the Adventures of Pluto Nash. Uh, I can't be positive if I've seen this or not. I have the images of him in the suit and everything, but there's not much I can uh, remember about it, so you have to lighten me. How many <laughs> How many awards did it win? <laughs> oh, dude, so many, so many. It won all the Razzies. I, I, yeah, I, exactly. It won all the awards, so I won't even try and look it up. <laughs> That's probably best. Um, That's probably best. <laughs> so I actually watched this this morning before oh, nice. we talked. Nice. It's, and It's fresh. Dude, this movie is so much fun. Um, first of all, just straight out the gate, within the first ten minutes, there's a big boy song on the out on the soundtrack. <laughs> totally forgot about that. Oh, awesome. that. I, I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh, we are on our way to a fantastic." It's film. moved from my top five to number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I literally I wrote this down. So first of all, this is Eddie Murphy. And um, he plays uh, this guy who just just got out of prison for smuggling on the moon. Um, the whole movie takes place on the moon where we now have like a little city called Little America. <laughs> um, and it opens up with uh, Jay Moore in this shitty little bar singing Irish songs in a kilt or Scottish songs in a kilt. Um, and Eddie Murphy is the only guy in there watching the show. Um, and like, turns out they're friends and, uh, what's Polly's name from Rocky? Oh, uh, Burt Young. Oh, Burt Young, yeah. who basically is just playing Polly <laughs> comes in, <laughs> you know, um, comes in and he's like a, a gangster and, uh, he, he like holds Jay Moore down and he's going to pour battery acid down his throat. Now this is a club on the moon. These are gangsters from the moon, <laughs> uh, you know, like, um, you know, and Eddie Murphy, like basically assumes Jay Moore's debt and takes over the club. And it just fast forwards seven years later. But one thing that is just absolutely hysterical, I think it's in that part of the movie. Somebody goes to pay somebody with some hundred dollar bills Hillary Clinton is on the hundred dollar bills. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, there is a reference. They go past this sign and it says, you know, this giant hotel coming soon, Trump properties. Oh man. I could not believe <laughs> both of those things were in this movie. That is hilarious. Um, 
And so, uh, so then it literally just says flash forward seven years. So now, of course, just like Harlem Nights, the club is up and popping, you know. Um, this and... totally could have been the sequel to Harlem Nights. That would have been <laughs> I'm telling you, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the girl's name. She's she, she's one of my favorite actresses, too. Um, shit, I'm blanking on her name. <laughs> what was um, she in? Give me a song. She was in that movie that I recommended to you with uh, McAvoy. Uh, uh, James Vecro. Oh, you're thinking of uh, Rosario Dawson? Rosario Dawson. Rosario Thank Rosario you Dawson. very much. Yeah. Um, so she comes to the club because she like she's a singer and her job fell through and she wants to sing for Eddie Murphy and he's like, no. And you know, I would have thought like for some reason this would have like played out throughout the movie as to like it was more than a coincidence of them like running into each other. Mm. But she she basically asks him for a job. He gives her a job, um, and one night, this like high level gangster sends who of all people but Joey Pants nice. to come and talk to to come and talk to Eddie Murphy. All right, the movie's getting better, <laughs> yeah. dude. There's so many like so many great like cameos and roles in this cast that, that's Joe. what i would enjoy going back and watching being like oh man i didn't realize joey pants had been in this and and seeing those guys playing these roles because these are the ones that they sucked when they came out but you could tell that they were going to get that kind of audience 10 years from now you know and it happens with like every movie all yeah. the, those comedy movies happen that way so joey pants tries to buy uh the club from him he turns him down <laughs> and so eddie murphy calls on his bodyguard Who's Randy Quaid as a robot? Oh, jeez! Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna, I'm buying this movie while we're talking on the phone. <laughs> Dude, I, I will tell you, right, yeah, I will tell you right now. You can just, it's for rent. It's two ninety nine <laughs> on iTunes. I think to own, it's like six bucks. I should have just bought it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, dude, Randy Quaid is pretty much in the rest of the movie. Wow, that's crazy. Like once he comes out, dude, and and it's this adventure, you know adventure like running you know on the run film um and joey pants is like you know trying to get after eddie murphy for his boss and you don't know who the boss is and there's a big reveal at the end of who the boss is um john cleese has a a role as the car's computer um like Dude, it's so much fun. Yeah, dude. people like, forget I, I that these types of movies. I mean, they came out when we were were adults, and we were like making fun of them and everything. But they're they're made for like ten, twelve year olds, you know. Oh, dude, and I I think I was probably I don't know the the year this came out, but I think I was probably like thirteen or fourteen. Hell, I might have been sixteen. I don't know. It seems remember, like it was a little later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, I, dude, you I, hung on to those movies longer than most, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude, I forgot how much fun this movie was. Like, I really enjoyed rewatching it. And That's like, fun. And, and the thing is, is like knowing that it's kind of like a, a crappy sci fi 90s space Eddie Murphy movie. Dude, it's it still holds up. Like everything that's in it is silly enough. Dude, sci-fi has been o- cheesy since the fifties, you know. So exactly, you know <laughs> what I mean. And so, like, I literally watched it this morning, and I wasn't like, "Oh, that was a terrible attempt at an effect." Like, it, dude, it was really good, yeah. you know. So, I mean, just, not since not till like the nineties or maybe even later did really smart sci-fi start coming out too, you know. Before oh, yeah, that, absolutely. it was like intentionally cheesy and or just completely slapsticky fun. But uh, 
I like that Eddie Murphy for a while there, you know, he was doing movies for his kids and he says that he says, Hey, yeah. I got kids, man. I want to do movies for the kids. I'm doing daddy daycare. I'm doing haunted mansion. Uh, I'm, I'm doing stuff like that. And shit, nutty professor, nutty professor. I mean, the, those things, and not to mention that they pay the bills big time. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Rosario Dawson, did you see that she got a killer role in the Mandalorian for next season? No, I didn't. Uh, she's apparently there's a character in. I don't watch Star Wars Clone Wars the series, the the animated series. Have you ever seen it? No. Uh, apparently, it's huge. People that are really in deep with the Star Wars universe. I haven't gotten there yet, where I'll be watching the the Clone Wars series. But uh, there's a couple of characters in there that have worked their way into the live action stuff. One of them was that one that character that Forrest Whitaker played in Rogue One. Really? Apparently he was in that animated series, but there's a really great, uh, I guess she's kind of like a female Boba Fett type character and she's like a badass. She's got like this white hair and she's like everyone's favorite character. And I've seen the image of her on all sorts of different stuff, but I never knew who it was. And that's who they cast. They cast Rosaria. Rosaria, people like love her because she's been in kind of the geek culture forever. You know, she's all over the Marvel shows on the Netflix series and she's all over like Kevin Smith films. So it was like one of the first times that I was ever able to click on a story where everyone was happy with the with the casting of it. (laughs) Because you know how bitter people are on like Facebook and that type of stuff when it comes to comments. Sometimes I just can't even bring myself to bring the comments. I I say in my head, I was like, I could just imagine what the comments are for this fucking thing. I ain't even going to go on there. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but Adventures of Pluto Nash, dude. Yeah, I'll do definitely check it a out. Favor. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my number one here. And speaking of doing yourself a favor, man, I know this was one that I think you had tell me that you started, but you can get that into it. And this was an amazing film. It was probably the best sci-fi movie. This and that uh, Annihilation were probably the two best uh, sci-fi movies I've seen in the last five years. And this is uh, uh, Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, 2017. Ah, okay. Now, I absolutely fucking love this movie. I watched it the other... I watched it probably six months ago for the first time, and then I bought it right afterwards because I loved it. And I just rewatched it again. And, oh my God, it's so good, man. The world creation in this movie is insane. Now, this is the great Luc Besson who did uh, Fifth Element, The Professional... La Femme Nikita, uh, Point No Return. So he's been doing stuff forever. And this is kind of, and it's based on like a graphic novel. Now, do you remember any of it? Uh, very little. Okay. Uh, so what's happening here is there's this great opening story where you're seeing this in almost 95% of this movies on green screen. Uh, and it really gets starting when our two main characters join. But at the very beginning, we see this like group of uh, uh, alien race that's kind of similar to like uh, the alien race from uh, Promorpheus, except they're not tall. They're kind of short and sexy type of uh, characters. And uh, uh-huh. they look like they're living on this perfect planet, and they have this creature that creates these balls of energy and everything, and the energy balls kind of are connected with everything. And all of a sudden, there's something happening above the planet, and they have to flee into this like uh, kind of sanctuary, and something hits the planet and like destroys everything jumps forward to this uh now we jump forward and they're talking about something called alpha which alpha is this space station that gets created and they go through this great compilation where the where uh 
the very first two people that are connecting, these two species are connecting to this one space uh, center. And then they show this kind of time lapse where more things are connected to this alpha space station to where it's massive. It started as these two things connecting and now it's like thousands and thousands of races are kind of all represented on this one major space station that floats in space. Uh, and it's really, really great. It's like you're walking into that like uh, that crazy Tatooine bar on Star Wars and you get to see 8 million different races and everything. And the two of the people representing humans <clears throat> are Dan DeHane, who played... Uh, he was in Amazing Spider-Man 2. He was the one that played the right. Green Goblin. And he was, in Chron- yeah. he was really good in Chronicle. Uh, and you got Clara... Uh, Della Vanehu, I think is her name. She played the Enchantress in that old uh, Suicide Squad uh, movie. You know, the girl who was like, got turned and she controlled all those creatures in the street and everything. She was like, yeah, I, yeah, she's I very striking that. looking. She's like a model, but she's got like these dark eyebrows and like these piercing eyes, which is weird because so does Dane DeHane. So you've got these two really, really intense characters and you could tell that they're, they work for the government and they work for the police and they're kind of sent to do these different missions and everything. And basically the whole movie is about them trying to, uh, figure out what the hell is going on with these uh, something that's happening in the big market. So it, it starts right off into this really exciting thing where virtual reality is this huge thing, but instead of like you watching it and you think it's happening, you're actually on a different dimension. But the only way you could experience it is wearing these goggles. And if you want to take anything from this dimension, you have to connect a box to your arm. It's very crazy. Mm. They they created so much interesting stuff here. So they're they're uh, told by the government that they need to find this crazy artifact that's in the middle of big market. So they end up going to the big market and they're part of like this tour group. And the tour group is giving you the exposition and says you're you're now on this new different plane of existence. Stick with your group and uh, use your uh, your ID badges and this and that. So once he puts on the goggles, he's like in this crazy marketplace that looks like something out of a Guillermo del Toro movie. And I think I remember that. Yeah. So he's he's. And while he's going in there to steal this artifact, what everyone else is seeing that's not under the dimension with the goggles off is just a desert. It's just like this barren desert. So they're standing at the desert and they've got these goggles on and they can see everything that's happening on the dimension. But they're waiting for him to grab the artifact and get pulled out of the big market. And uh, the artifact is this little creature that we saw at the beginning of the movie that creates these kind of, uh, they call it a converter. And what it does is if you if you drop diamonds onto it, like a thousand diamonds fall out of his belly. <laughs> so huh. the one pearl that these uh, alien people have, they have one pearl that could save their planet. And if they have the converter, all they have to do is drop the pearl in there and it'll create all these other pearls and they'll be able to recreate their planet and everything. But huh. what's going on is this huge conspiracy that's kind of slowly unraveling where it looks like Clive Owen, who plays like the general uh, of the whole kind of government here, has done something extremely shady and might have might have caused a little genocide <laughs> and, and, oh. and cover up to killing this oh. alien species because of something he directly did. So it's really great because these guys got tasked to guard Clive Owen and the, the creatures ended up coming uh, the alien race who just want their planet back kidnap Clive Owen and so now a lot of the movie is 
kind of these fun things like we don't know where they took Clive Owen, but if we go to this one place th- and do this one kind of thing, they'll let us know how to get the Clive Owen. There was like a situation later on where the two main characters got separated. And uh, in order for the girl to find out where he was, she has to go and seek out these weird dragon duck creatures who would take him to another person that would take him in a submarine to go underground to find this kind of weird jellyfish that attaches itself under these whale creatures. And if she can get the jellyfish and stick it over her head, it will let her see the future or see through the past and let her know where they took her uh her friend. So that's like just one of like six different tasks they have to do to get to the next level. It was so amazing, dude. It was really, really great. I'm always impressed when people can create kind of a, uh, create a world out of like nothing, you know? And this was a, a type of world that was super, super interesting. I'm not sure if there's a whole slew of these books and this is maybe the first one, but I remember when it came out and I was hearing good things about it. I was like, and I was hearing things like, uh, it accomplishes in one movie what the last three Star Wars is couldn't possibly ever hope to do. And I'm watching oh, wow. it. And when I'm watching it yesterday, I'm like, man, the story is just there, man. It is really, really clever. And that's where it has over on those Star Wars movies, man. It it's it really uh, blew my mind. I've always been a fan of Luke Besson's kind of weirdness, and he he always, and I think that him being as weird as he is and being connected with the sci-fi world. I think it was one of those situations where it was a match made in heaven when he got this kind of source material, because I think it's right up his alley. So I'm not sure what kind of turned you off on it when you, when you watched it, but man, if you push through it, there's some really interesting stuff in there. Yeah. When I remember like visually, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't remember why it, you know, it was either. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to go back and maybe check it out. Yeah. Because it, it sounds pretty good. It's it's amazing, man. I, it's what I loved about, like, the second Hellboy. The second Hellboy, the Golden Army. Just, he his world creating got so good that there is, like, thousands of different creatures and species. And we get to see each one of them for, like, a brief period of time. Or you need one creature to help you go to another creature that will help you go to another creature, which will find the one thing you're looking for. I love all, like, these kind of cool little tasks that they give you in these kind of fantasy movies. And this one had it in spades. And these two actors were great, man. You don't see those two guys in anything much anymore. I don't know what Dane DeHane's doing. I thought he was going to be the next big thing when The Chronicle came out. And the same with uh, with uh, Clara Del- Delon Vehu. I think she's like uh, she comes from like a really rich like a Christi- uh, a Christ- uh, uh, it's like this really famous rich family where I think she started as a model and then moved to acting and she's got this really great kind of uh, unique look and style to her. I think that's really really good. I think she was one of the only things I did like about that old. Um, Suicide Squad movie because I had problems with it <laughs> yeah, all over yeah. the place. But she was one of the ones I thought, wow, she at least looks kind of the part. So <laughs> check it out if you haven't seen it. It was one of those movies that I watched like last year when um, when my wife was gone for like two weeks and I just was binging movies and I was like, oh, this is so good. So I don't know where I don't know where it is. I have it on DVD so I can let you borrow it. Hell yeah. It's one of those ones I, I can't send it to my mom or no one else would appreciate it. Dave would like it. I think Dave would really enjoy it. Uh, but my mom doesn't like anything remotely weird. <laughs> Even though I got a text from her this morning saying that she loved Fido so much. Have you seen Fido? 
I haven't. That's the uh, one. I, I they, remember you guys talking about yeah. it uh, with uh, Billy Connolly. They, get, they domesticate the the zombies yeah. and turn them into doing things you don't even want. They like they like deliver newspapers and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Bastards. <Yeah. laughs> it was super super, and it was told from the perspective of the like 1950s, where every family had one. They had their color TV. They got their zombie helper. And right. It's, it's so funny, man. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that'll be it for our little condensed pod. This one ran like 140, so it was like uh, kind of our money spot right there. So we'll right. stop right here. And uh, next week we've got, uh, it's, it's up in the air. It's either going to be Dave and me doing uh, Nicole Kidman. Uh, we have a great slew of awesome movies. I've been rewatching a lot of her old stuff and some of the newer stuff, like that uh, that Destroyer with her. Man, it's so fucking good. One of the best cop yeah, movies I've see seen that. in a long time, man. So good. It's on Hulu if anyone out there is, uh, has Hulu. And uh, I know me and my cousin are going to do some 50s and 60s um, horror movies if his, uh, if his phone is up to speed like yours is. Uh, and then me and Dave are going to do a, uh, well, the, me and Dave will do the, um, Nicole Kidman one. And then me and Justin are going to be coming back and doing a, uh, movies based on video games. So that's going to be super oh, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. It's going to be a fun lot. Lots of cheese there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just now are they able to be able to do them? I mean, even the ones they're doing modern, like I put rampage on the list too, because it's just a good, nice. it's just a good story for us seeing it. And it was, I think I found my sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and it was probably one of the last times that I, I really kind of got vertigo at the end of that movie, man. Ooh. It was oh, really, really, it was really intense. The, the stuff on top of the skyscraper, I always thought so. That was the one good thing about it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll be talking about that next couple of weeks, hoping that uh, the quarantine starts. We start slowly returning back to uh, regular life. Yeah, doesn't seem like it's happening yet, but no, maybe in the next two or three weeks. What are you predicting? Two or three weeks? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe I more a month. Uh, I'm thinking two to three weeks. Yeah. Hopefully, my guess you know. is the next stop is like mandatory masks. You, we'll we'll open everything up, but you got to wear masks. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I'm rocking no, this mask, really. man. I feel like I feel like I'm robbing places every time I go in it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I leave the house with it already attached to my neck, so I'll just pull into a parking spot and I'll slide it over above my nose and everything, and I'll just cruise on in there. Yeah, yeah. gives you the feeling without actually having to go to jail. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> totally recommend it. <laughs> All right. So if you want to get a hold of us, check us out on Facebook. You can also send us an email at fascinatingfilms at gmail.com. And you can also leave us a like or a comment on our two platforms, SoundCloud and iTunes. We'd appreciate it. Hell yes. All right. So until the next time, see you. Peace. Gosh.